It's another heartwarming episode of the Auburn Observer podcast. Justin Ferguson coming to you from a motel in College Station, Texas. Andrew Sharp is coming to you from Parts Unknown. Hello, Banner. Howdy. Howdy is a good wor- good word to use here because that's what they say down here in College Station. That's their preferred greeting. Howdy is their war eagle. I don't even know if you know that about the Texas A&M fighting Aggies, but uh, they're saying howdy a lot and they're feeling good because they put a hurting on Auburn especially Auburn's offense, 20-3. to three. We are here to talk about it and wrap it up uh, from all the angles. Appreciate you guys listening, as always. We'll also talk some Auburn basketball here uh, in the next uh, hour or so. Um, but uh, we will start with the big news. Auburn uh, goes to Texas A&M with an opportunity to get a win that I think would have shown that you're ahead of schedule this year, uh, control your own path still in the SEC West race. And, um, you know, really, I mean, it would have been a good statement win, you know, beating a team that we think now was pretty good away from home, um, a team that's got more talent than you. Uh, to this point, you haven't done that except for the LSU game, and LSU's just been the most baffling team in college football this year. Um, instead, Auburn, and I guess not most baffling, Clemson exists, um, instead Auburn loses 20-3, to the worst offensive performance of the Harson era um, to date, of course. Um, one of the worst period. They had not been held this low in scoring since 2012. They had not been held this uh, futile in offense. It was just uh, 226 yards of total offense. It's the worst since the 2018 game against Arkansas. Uh, it's been a minute since they've looked this bad in a loss offensively. Um, you know, this was an offense for Auburn that had looked so, so good the last two weeks or the last two games, I should say, pretty much every bit of it kind of reverted um, Saturday in college station against a really good defense painter. Your initial gut reaction to what happened to Auburn's offense in this game, uh, because as I wrote in the observations uh, on Saturday night, um, we can point out certain things, but, uh, man, it, it's hard to find a bright spot, period, or even a semi-positive, not n- even neutral point on this Auburn offense uh, against A&M. Terrible. Very bad. The conversation among the fan base will start with Bo Nix, mm-hmm. and he played— Quarterbacks get that. He played poorly. It yep. was not good. The offensive line, I think, is where it starts. Yeah, so, this is a conversation I was having uh, with a couple of people after the game. And I said it. I mean, look, I wrote it. There's plenty of blame to go around the offense. You want to say it. Um, receivers didn't get open, uh, did not fight for the ball. Uh, and I think there was a, a way Mike Elko and those guys, you know, you know, got on defense. It was just really hard for them to get anything going. Nick's had his worst game in a while, um, probably one of his worst games of the season, maybe if not the worst one, period. A lot of uncatchable balls thrown by him. Uh, the backs were kind of boom or bust. Uh, there were some missed opportunities there. Kind of got stuffed, rattled up sometimes. Uh, you know, but there were occasions where they actually created something. And M should get a lot of credit too. Mike Hucko's got a great defense. This is, a, this is the number seven defense in the country according to SP Plus heading into this week. It was always going to be hard for Auburn to move the ball consistently on A and M. But to look this futile is a completely different thing. And I don't want to, I don't want to, like, like I said, there's plenty of blame to go around on this offense and everybody shares part of it. I think Mike Bobo included, uh, Auburn's coaching staff included. 
um, because I think when your your game plan does not work this this uh, this much, um, you know, it comes down to everybody. But the offensive line is a position group, as we've said before on this show, uh, on previous shows we've had in the past, in different avenues. Offensive line is the unit that has to play well every single snap, or something can go wrong. Um, they run block, and they, they, I mean, a quarterback on a on a running play, you know, he still does a lot, but sometimes all he has to do is just hand the ball off. The offensive line's got to do their job every single play. This Auburn offense, I think the story of this game ultimately was the fact that Auburn did not have the offensive line that Texas A&M had, and it was very, very, very obvious. Texas A&M's got a great defensive front. They're a very talented team. I love Mike Elko's defensive coordinating abilities. I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in the country. But Derek Mason's a really good defensive coordinator as well, and Auburn's got a really talented defensive front, and they played a really strong ball game. Um, wasn't perfect. There were some big plays. There were some things they want to clean up. But they played winning football on Saturday. But the difference in this game was the fact that when Auburn dropped back to pass, they Bo Nix was constantly under pressure, and they did not have running lanes that Texas A&M opened up against a really good Auburn defense. And the issue there, to me, is this. We've talked a lot about how Auburn's offensive line has been inconsistent for the last few years. It feels like games or seasons, you would either get really good run stopping or, or really good run blocking or really good pass protection. You got neither in this game. And it's not very often that you get neither. Usually this season, they've been able to lean on one thing or the other. They didn't get it on either. And the crazy thing, Painter, and I want to know what you think about this. The crazy thing is, is they did not look this bad up front against Georgia. At least they could throw the ball against Georgia. At least the guys made plays out in space against Georgia. Didn't even have time to do that in this game on, on the whole. It is worrisome, too, because now we're talking about six quarters instead of yes. four quarters. And we're talking about Auburn playing a defense that's good. I don't think it played two particularly good defenses in the last few weeks. And Auburn's offense deserves its credit for executing against Arkansas and Ole Miss. And Arkansas has a formidable pass defense. But it played a team that truly tested it this weekend, and it mm-hmm. looked dreadful. So here's the thing with the offensive line. We know there is – we've said it. The recruiting has been the thing. And, like, I'm not saying every one of Auburn – like, you can find three-star offensive linemen that play well. A&M started one today. But on the whole, Texas A&M – Texas A&M had five guys on their offensive line on Saturday. Two of them were true freshmen – one of them was another underclassman. I believe he's the three-star of that group. They also have a former five-star in Kenyon Green. They also have another blue-chip player up front. Auburn was rotating offensive offensive linemen. They've done it all year because I don't think they found that kind of groove that they wanted to be in. Sometimes it's like, well, we need to run the ball a little bit more. Let's put this guy a and star power on the offensive line outshone Auburn's, and it was very, very obvious in this game. And so Auburn... Nine games in the season does not feel consistent enough on the offensive line against a really good opponent. And so here's the thing about Auburn's offensive line. How do you look this good against Arkansas, this good against Ole Miss, and this poorly against Texas A&M? Here's my, here's my take on the, on the situation. Texas A&M has a really good defensive front, really talented players, several former, uh, former high four-stars and five-stars up front. Ole Miss and Arkansas played have lighter fronts. Not only do not only in number, 
They do a lot of three-man stuff. But also just the physical size of these dudes are, are a lot smaller. And so that's how you can run the ball a little more effectively. That's how you can, you know, push these guys. This is a defense that played a little bit farther back, too. These Both these defense, kind of a little off-man coverage, more zone. A&M and Mike Elko trusted their defensive talent, and they wanted to physically get after Auburn up front and also on the perimeter. Guys were making big plays, and they played like the better team. And that's the thing for Auburn is that when you go up against a defensive front that is really, really good and is power, they're, they're going to play some power. You know, they'll go traditional four-down defensive front and get after you. And a really good defensive coordinator scheming it up. You can look good against Ole Miss and Arkansas. And statistically, Arkansas was a decent defense. Ole Miss, definitely not. But, man, if you get punched in the mouth like that, and the way they punched him in the mouth is not even the same way that even Georgia punches dudes in the mouth. I think that was the thing that kind of struck me. It's just they couldn't – I mean, they Auburn's offensive line was near, not nearly consistent enough, and we've said it most of the year. I think there's a cap on how good these guys can actually be because of their talent. But nine games in the season, man, if you're still shuffling dudes around, you're going to – I mean, you might be able to move the ball against some rough defenses, but not Texas A&M. And not the Georges of the world. It's very likely I'm playing the result, but it felt like the game plan for Texas A&M was that Mm -hmm. they knew they could bully Auburn's offensive line, which was make Bo Nix uncomfortable, something he hasn't been for a number of weeks. And it will be an easy opportunity to keep ourselves in the game. There were a couple times early on where A&M was getting home with three men rushing. And that's a problem. And then when they got into longer situations, they started blitzing more. They got more aggressive, and Auburn just couldn't keep up. And, you know, Bo Nix is going to get a lot of criticism in this game, and he he did not play well, obviously. Um, But also he was not in the same sort of situations he has been in the last month where he has been playing well. And that's that's a key part of it. That is a key part of it. Auburn's offensive line, I mean, just the, – the other thing, too, is the run run stop or, or run blocking. Keep saying stopping. Um, the run blocking here is the crazy thing for me. Go back and look at this game. Auburn – Auburn was two of three on third and short on Saturday. A&M was one of six. Auburn's defense did a really good job. We'll talk more about them later. Auburn's defense did a really good job up front. There were some busts. There were some plays where they got loose, and A&M's got really good running backs. But Auburn averaged 3.9 yards per play on first down. Texas A&M's averaged 7.3. Way more often, Auburn did not get into third and manageable situations. They were in a lot of third and longs, and that defensive front, one that was getting home with just three guys sometimes, were licking their chops because they felt like they were going to get some free shots on them. And... Auburn's the key to some Auburn success against Ole Miss and Arkansas, why it looked so easy, that even if the running game wasn't super, super effective, Auburn was doing a good job on early downs. This game, not at all. And then it put them in passing situations, and they were really bad in passing situations. Success rate 22% on passing downs, on, on clear passing situations. This isn't this is an Auburn offense that has to stay ahead of the chains. This is not an offense, and no, no offense is built to be like, all right, third and ten, good, we're, we're right where we want them. 
this is definitely an offense. When you talk about the versatility and you talk about the – I mean, one of the third downs they converted early in the third quarter is third and short, and they dial up a really good you know pass. Luke Deal makes a great, great catch. This is an offense that's got to stay ahead of the chains because they are not at a point when their terms of explosiveness and their star power at this point and their consistency in this offense that they can just be like, well, we'll just get, you know, we'll dial something up here. Like, that's that's danger. That's danger, especially against a really good team like A&M. It's tough that these are really experienced offensive line. That It is reinforcing right. that Auburn is in a position where it's simply not likely to get better. Right. I mean, Texas A&M start. I can't stress this enough, guys. Texas A&M started two true freshmen. And Zach Calzada was not sacked. He was hurried a couple times. And they created more running lanes on Auburn's defense than Auburn did against A&M's defense. That's two true freshmen, right? And so you can look at that, and they have a, they have a really good grad transfer in there as well. You can look at this and say... Well, you know, a change can come quickly. And it's like, yeah, but you got to recruit at a really, really high level. And A&M has. Auburn hasn't. And it's like, they're going to have to flip the switch. Because somebody asked me in the mailbag this week, what do you think about the future of the offensive line? Well, Keandre Jones will be back. I feel like Killian Zara will be back as well. There's some other guys like Brennan Coffey. Hadn't played yet, but could realistically come back. And some of these guys who have been regular starters could also come back. But I think this game really underscored the need for, like, they're going to have to hit the portal hard. Because this offensive line, again, this is a, there, there's a cap to it. And if you're not playing teams like Ole Miss, you're not playing teams like Arkansas, and you're not playing teams that are a little lighter up front, a team that's got some big boys that are really good and really athletic can make stuff can make life really, really hard on you. Yeah, the problem is in the and on yeah, average, go ahead, go ahead. on average, Auburn's playing about four of those a year. Maybe yes. sometimes more, maybe sometimes less, but on the whole, given that they've played teams like Oregon and Clemson and Penn State in non-conference, and then of course every year that they play LSU, Georgia, Alabama, and certainly this year Texas A&M, they're in that position where both the talent gap and literal size of their offensive line seems to be a difference. Auburn couldn't run the ball against Texas A&M efficiently. And then towards the end of the game, you know, you're down. You're going to have to start throwing it. Uh, 44% of runs went for two yards or less. 44% went four yards or more. However, none of them went for more than 15 yards. No big plays. This offense didn't have any big plays. And this offense isn't building itself on, like, we have to just be a big play factory. But you got to have some to kind of get things going, Right. You know, you've got to do something. The sustained drives aren't working when you don't have a really good running game and when you don't have this quick strike passing game because things were going wrong for you in that in that, in that that aspect. Of course, we can turn to Bo Nix. 20 of 41 for 153 in an interception. He also had a fumble that turned into the only touchdown of the game. Yeah, and that play is not just bad because I know what you're going to say. For You're going to tell me about the stats, which are fair, which is that that play probably from a statistical standpoint lost Auburn the game. I mean, it certainly made it feel insurmountable, but it yes, also I think that's looked ridiculous. Like, if you feel like at times Auburn is the butt of a series of very bad jokes, 
a guy who's pretty good at not turning the ball over, turning it over like that for a mm-hmm. game ceiling six points Just, in yeah. which they have not been able to score a touchdown is so perfect. It is so perfect that he would do that. And he looked that it was so silly. I can't underscore how ridiculous it looked. And of course you're going to be right. It also essentially was the worst play of the game for Auburn. Oh, for sure. For sure. But here's the thing. It's a team effort. And like Nick's Nick's, uh, I want to go back. (laughs) My dad texted me during the game and he was like, can you like figure out what happened with the passing game? Like why it looked this bad? Like it seemed, cause it seemed like Bo was bailing out a little bit more often than usual. He looked more uncomfortable. Is that because the line wasn't as good? Like what, what happened there? And like, I'm going to go through that. I I am, you know, that that's going to be one of the first, you know, either Monday or Tuesday, I'm going to do something on that with film room. So don't worry dad and everyone else. Um, <laughs> but, and it's a good, I mean, like I said, that kind of sounded snarky and it shouldn't, I'm sorry, dad. Uh, I love like, you, dad. no, it was like, then that is, that is definitely a fair question and a fair established, uh, like a, like a fair foundation. Yeah. For right. But chicken and egg, you know, Bo has had right. lots of self-inflicted but, problems okay. in the past. He completed more, more passes and like could have had a lot more success if not for the drops against like Georgia. We're talking about a Georgia defense that is going going down as one of the best we've ever seen in the modern era. And they threw the ball a lot more effectively. And yes, it was at home. Maybe that mattered. The pre-snap stuff was rough. Auburn had to burn timeouts too many times. Bo looked very frustrated where guys were lined up. Yeah, there was a Shedrick Jackson. Some of the Jackson. problems for the Penn State game, yeah. There was a Shedrick Jackson interaction. Oh, man, that, Shedrick Jackson. And that one was tough. I don't know. It yeah. just is the one I noticed. And I, I do wonder, more. like, it's like, what's, you know, now you're getting into things that you truly, like, you, you can't necessarily know about play calling because there's so many factors that we don't understand or see. But then right. it's also like on a personal relationship. It's like, I wonder what the dynamic is between the quarterback and receivers right now. Are they on good terms? Like, is it just one of those things where you can't make a judgment about guys getting frustrated well, with one another the in thing, the heat Peter, of the moment? They've, they've been playing really well the last few weeks. Like, so, like, that's one of those things where it's, you know, if it snaps or whatever, it's, I think it's kind of a heat of the moment situation. Oh, we're not playing well. What the heck are we doing, guys? Like, we're better than this. That's the kind of vibe I kind of get. But, man, Auburn's top three receivers on Saturday. And we talk about EPA and people have been like, why do you keep talking about EPA? It's like, well, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try to get a little bit more explanatory with it. But basically it's like, are you more efficient or less efficient than the average offense in these situations? And how much are you? Auburn's top three receivers on Saturday, minus 0.43 for Kobe Hudson, one catch on five targets for eight yards. Cheddar Jackson, two catches on eight targets for eight yards. These are the guys who were the most targeted out there. Crazy thing about this. Look at this. I mean, look at this by the end. Auburn's top receiver in this game had two catches for eight yards. And he had eight targets. Throughout the game, like, again, it goes to back to one of those things where, you know, by the way, say everybody say hi to Jordan Hill in the background. Jordan um, Hill, you sweet, sweet prince. Congrats on the Braves taking it home. Jordan Painter says congrats on the Braves taking it home. Yes, yeah, he says it means a lot <laughs> to all of us. I love it when my receivers can get open, and they certainly didn't seem to be interested in that today. Okay, so that's the, th- that's the other thing. A&M, A&M played tight coverage 
it was hard for him to get open. And there were some opportunities where Auburn, you know, you know, go back to that old Miss game. How many times did Auburn run downfield, turn back to the ball, and make catches? That was not happening against against A and M at all. There were a lot of throws out there where it just had no chance. And it didn't seem like guys had really had any chance to get the ball. Like, yes, Nix was off target, and I'd be very interested to see how, how often he was off target. But then also it was like the wide receivers did not help their calls a ton either. That is a real, real problem for Auburn. Again, you can do that when you play Ole Miss and, Ole, and Arkansas defenses that play a little bit more backup, play a little more zone. Maybe even Georgia that plays a little bit more than that. A&M, A&M looked at Auburn and said, you know what, we can physically take these dudes, not only at the line of scrimmage, but on the outside. And it showed. It showed in this game. That's not to say, like, oh, well, Auburn can't succeed anymore. Like, they play State next week. State's a better run defense than people give them credit for, and they, they've got a, you know, they've got some they've got some weapons, but, like, they got State in South Carolina. By the way, well, hello, Dan Mullen. What's up, brother? What's going on there? Are we, are we pulling an LSU and – Maybe even, dare I say it, the Q word yet again? It might be time. Was it Leach and Mullen both hired in 2018 and Dan Mullen going before Leach is not something I had on the books? No, no. Just insane. Insane. Insane stuff. Um, But you might be able to move the ball again against State and South Carolina. And, like, who knows what Alabama looks like. LSU was moving the ball against them. Um. That game's going to be weird. like there's 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 an opportunity for yourself to pick, to pick yourself up and dust yourself off if you're Auburn, right? There the season is not over. They can learn from it, they can build off of it. All it needs the A&M needs to lose to either Ole Miss or LSU down the stretch, and if Auburn wins the Iron Bowl, they win the West. They're not out of it, okay? But they've got to pick themselves up and dust themselves off because what happened in this game Chandler Wooten said this about the defense, about the defense, but I think it very much applies to the offense. When we talked about it earlier this year about teams loading the box a little bit more and slowing down Tank Bigsby in the running game, guess what? Team watch film, and the later and later you get into the season, as Wooten says, "quote It's a copycat league." If they feel, if if teams feel like not everybody's going to be Texas A&M up front or outside, you know, South Carolina, and Mississippi State are not as talented as, as these teams, but dang sure Alabama is. And if you're getting out here giving the blueprint, it's like, here's how you make us have one of the worst days we've had in a long time on offense. You better believe everybody else is on on the radar there. And so, I I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer at wide receiver, and I don't know the answer to offensive line, because you're nine games into the season. And, like, they're rotating both, you know? Like, they're rotating both. Yes, some guys, some offensive linemen, and some wide receivers are getting more snaps than others, but... Man, it's it's not like the guys who aren't playing aren't doing are doing a whole lot better, or who who aren't playing as much are doing a whole lot better. You can't sit there and say like, well, you know, if they be just be playing these guys more, they do it like, I mean, maybe, but like, <laughs> the small sample sizes aren't really doing well either. It is wild to me, and this is going to come across as very disrespectful towards someone who has been consistent for Auburn this season, but it is wild to me that John Samuel Shanker has been the most explosive option in the passing game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's the consistency thing, right? Like I've said it and I've, and I've gone to bat. I've gone to bat for him because statistically he's been really good this year. Kobe Hudson had a bad game, but most everybody for Auburn who lined up on offense had a bad game. And it's like, the thing is for Auburn, if you look at this offense and you look at the Brian Harson MO in general, it's 
let's be consistent. Let's out-execute you because we're going to play teams that are better than us on paper, and we're going to play in some brutal environments. Like A&M had the second-largest crowd ever on Saturday, their second-largest crowd ever. And they're gonna they're recruiting better than you. They they they're in the state of Texas. They have more they money. Have got, they've got the resources. They are recruiting better than you. Now, is it possible to say that Auburn will never recruit at that level? No, I, I get I get some criticism for saying they'll never recruit at an Alabama and Georgia level. I don't think they ever will, and I don't think they've ever had. But like, who's to say, man? If you win, people will come in. Like we've seen this we we we've seen this time and time again. So uh, I need to soften my stance on that. But and Auburn's you know it's not like Auburn's impossible. Like they've they've signed really good classes in the past. Um, but this underscores the issue here for Auburn and the job ahead for this, this coaching staff is that you've, you've got to play consistently and execute consistently because if you don't, the talent gap really, really starts to show in some of these games, really, really starts to show. And against Georgia, it was like key opportunities that you missed. And then it's like, well, you can't afford to do that against a team that's, you know, by far the best team in America this year. On the flip, uh, in this game, it was more of like, well, you you got to be able to do something, period, on offense. Like, this was just kind of play to play, not getting it done. Inconsistency. Everyone on the offense has to feel pretty bad tonight. Everyone. Everyone. And, like, look, man. I thought Mike Bobo's had a great, great job calling Agreed. plays this year. You know the dirty little Mike secret. Elko. The dirty little secret I thought was that you know he probably at least going into the Ole Miss game had not been getting quite the credit he deserved, and then I think people started figuring out, oh, you know, Mike Bobo, he's done a solid job this year. And then we got to this game, and like you said, six quarters, three points, six quarters. Last six quarters, you've only scored six points. Got 18 drives. Only four of them have gone across the 40 for the other team, quote unquote, a scoring position. And it's like, yes, I mean, I think he, on the whole, you know, Auburn's Auburn's staff has done a good job. A little bit like in a game like this, it's just like, man, it can go real south on you. And it seemed like A and M had a plan, and Elko called the right calls, and their players executed a lot better than Auburn did, and especially the line of scrimmage. It made a huge difference. It just underscores the challenge ahead for Auburn is that you're built. You're trying to build something here where you've got to be very, very consistent because this is not, this is not an offense that is going to be like, well, if we just had a superstar quarterback, he can kind of bail us out or, you know, it's not that kind of offense. It's not the fad offense, you know, and this is not a team that's built on top five recruiting classes and say, well, we'll figure it out. Like, no, this is a plan and a scheme and a thing where it's like, you've got to be consistent play-by-play, and they weren't, and they were not in this game, and it was very, very, I mean, like, it just laid it bare, uh, kind of like, here's the challenge you've got, because A&M's only getting better, right? Like, they've won a lot of games here the the, the last the last year and a half, or year, you know, almost almost two years. They signed, they got a commitment on Saturday before the game started from the number two player in America, then they got another high four-star right after it later on. Like, this is it. This is the this is what you're facing, right? And so for Auburn, it's one game, right? It's a missed opportunity. But on offense, it's like something's gotta change. Something's gotta change quick because the execution issues were there in the second half of Ole Miss. And they were all over the place uh on Saturday against AM. 
They averaged less than three yards of play after the first quarter. <laughs> I mean, it was like that is like a Big Ten game. And then A&M, to their credit, got a little bit more explosive plays. That was a big difference in the game, right? Why did they get more explosive plays? Because they had an offensive line that was creating a little bit more running lanes. Their quarterback was also pre- not good. No. And also not unfortunate all. that Auburn had one of those games where a player goes out and comes back. And this time he didn't like dice all. He didn't do anything. He just came back in. Mm-hmm. And that was really all it took. <laughs> like they were able to I run said, the ball. It was so frustrating to see him come out and only be able to use basically one half of his body. And still Auburn couldn't use that to its advantage. I said before the game, or I said, and I said during the game, if Auburn protects his quarterback, like he is the better quarterback in this game, and I still think he is because Calzada had much better protection, a much better play from his wide receivers and his running backs and everything around him, and he still was barely better than Knicks in terms of throwing the ball on a completion percentage. But you didn't do that. You didn't do that. And, again, don't want to pin it all on just one unit, but, like, man, that offensive line gets really – I mean, when when it's <laughs> when they're the one that shares the blame in, run blo- in, in running plays and passing plays, it's like, well – you know, but yeah, I mean, Bo Nix is going to look at this game and be like, man, I could, I, I've been a lot better at this. I can play a lot better at this. What the heck happened here? You know, running backs can say the same things. Like, well, why are they making big plays? And I didn't, you know, on the other side, wide receivers got to be like, man, we, we made it look easy these last few weeks. And against A&M, it was like, man, it was hard for them to get anything going through the air. It was like a grind to get much of anything. And yes, A&M deserves a lot of credit for that. But also it's like, a lot of self-inflicted wounds. A lot of self-inflicted wounds for Auburn. Wow. What? And all that and all that to say. I mean, my god, the defense. Yeah, let's like that's the thing. It's like the defense wasn't perfect. And let's be clear, couple... like Texas A&M doesn't have an incredible offense. But No. They didn't give up any touchdowns for four quarters nope. and still lost nope. by double digits. So like I want stopped- to I want to give the defense some praise since we just spent a lot of time talking about all the, the things that Auburn did very poorly in this game. I think it's the best defensive performance they've had against a good opponent this season. It's a legitimate opponent this season. Um you stop a team on eight straight third downs, that's that's getting it done. And like some of them were third and short. Some of them were third and very more, much more manageable because A&M was at least moving the ball a little bit better on a per play basis than Auburn was. And yeah, there was an explosive play that set up a field goal. Donovan Kaufman had to make an incredible punch out to, you know, keep Auburn in the game. Cause that was almost another touchdown or at least at the very least a big, a big play. And that skews the numbers a little bit. They had some good runs. Like they like A and M had some good runs and and had two good passes like two good downfield passes in the game, but they ended in field goals. the 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 game plan the 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 blueprint's been laid on this defense. It's that bend don't break, keep everything in front of you, lock down on on late downs and in red zone situations. You did that right. That that's how you win a lot of football games. You gave up twelve points, three of them on a short field, because your team turned it over. You know in their own territory. Okay. That should win you pretty much every game you play in the SEC. You just have to, like... I mean, think about it this way, Painter. They only give up nine points. The offensive product... You could be playing against Georgia's defense, and you still win that game. Because how many points do they score in that game? Ten. It's enough. 
<laughs> it's enough that short field of the the three because of the, you know late game. So I mean, you'd have been at least have been in it, even against Georgia's defense. It's a convoluted way to get around to that, but it's my it's my. I thought the defense, and it wasn't like here's the thing, Auburn's offense. Like yeah, Brandon Council wasn't out there. I don't think Council's absence makes that much of it like that big of a difference in the offensive line's play. I mean, sure it's. It's significant because he is an experienced player and he has been one of your better players. At least he was last year before the injury uh, up front. So, you know, don't want to not counsel in his impact because he definitely is a guy that has has that. But everybody else was healthy. Everybody else was out there. You know, Auburn's defense in the secondary was missing or was missing a key piece. You know? No, uh, no Zion Puckett in this game. And yet, for Auburn, they still that secondary came to play. Kaufman had a big, uh, big stop. Uh, had that big punch out from behind. Ladarius Tennyson, yeah, the special teams penalties, those aren't great. But he was probably one of your best defensive players all day. Smoke Monday makes nine tackles. Usually, you go, that's not good. But he was good in coverage at times. He had a tackle for loss, and like I think only two of his tackles were on plays that were like successful ones for for Texas A&M. Linebackers got involved. They spread the wealth. The defensive line made an impact. I mean, you did a lot. It wasn't perfect, but like man, that was a really good defensive performance that should win you. I mean, Auburn's won football games. Auburn's blown out teams, or I'm saying blowouts. Blowouts a different thing. Auburn has beaten teams by double digits these last two games with worse defensive performances. You know? On the whole. I don't think anyone walked away from the Auburn-Texas A&M game and went, wow, if the defense had just done this, the <laughs> game might have been different. No. No. It'll be out of gaps maybe a couple times. But as, as Harson said after the game, he was like, those things are going to happen. A&M's got talent. Those guys are, those guys are, you know, those guys are good every too. Bit they have scholarships. Yeah, every, every bit as athletic as Auburn is, even if I think they've got a average quarterback, they, they managed to make it work along the offensive line. They got some which good is, running backs. Yeah, absolutely. And they managed to make it work along the offensive line. And then the, like you mentioned, only a couple of them, but they did have a few pass plays that were able to sort of open up the game for them. Uh, Nothing special on offense. They've got some great athletes, and, you know, as bad as the offense was, and it was the reason why Auburn couldn't win this game, like the defense deserves a a lot of praise. And if you gave me the option of giving up 12 points a game on defense, I would have to say, (laughs) yeah, I'll take that. So, Painter, here's the issue, and I think this is another thing of, like, how far is Auburn ahead of schedule – Harson putting his stamp on the team, all that stuff. And I think in some areas that's true. But, man, how many times in the last couple of years have you said, oh, Auburn's defense played well, especially 19. Auburn's defense played well. Offense couldn't get anything going. That happened a lot during the Steele-Malzahn era. And so it's like to be in this position again has got to be really, really frustrating. This defense is used to it. The veterans are, at least. And they don't give up. I mean, to their credit, I mean, they, those guys never fell in. Donovan Kaufman doesn't make that play if you give if you've given up, right? 
You get you throw in the towel. And McCreary nope. falls on it inside the five, chases it down right. Like that, that had game a great goes game, from, I thought. Yeah, that game. Yeah, there was a there was a play that got shown a couple of times on the broadcast where Calzada launches it over McCreary, and he is step for step with the receiver. Had him in his pocket the whole time. Like, yeah, I mean that's a. They've been in this spot before, but it's like again we point back to it. Defensive front. Let's look at that. The defensive front. Auburn has. They don't have a five-star on the defensive line, but they've got a lot of four-stars. they got a lot of good football players up front, highly rated guys. They're five-stars at linebacker in, in Owen. So, Kevin McLean's played really, really well this season. And then in the secondary, not as many blue-chip players. McCreary's, but McCreary McCreary's be, turned into most likely a first-round player, question mark. Right. You've got talent. You've got talent in all those spots. Offensively, though, you're relying – on a on an offensive line that is not at that at the talent level as what a And M does, uh, what a And M has, and a wide receiver, I don't think you're relying on it quite as much as well. Or at least the guys that you were playing are not at that level. It's it's twofold. Number one, Auburn's got to figure out a way to we got to become a more consistent and more efficient offense. That's 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 what is exactly what Auburn should be telling themselves after after the game. It's like we got to do this. Secondly, like that just shows that like this coaching staff's got to get some talent. The portal will be nice, and the portal will help you, and the portal has helped Auburn this season. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. You're not winning an to... SEC championship through the transfer portal. No, no. You you can become a better team, and you can help fill in spots, but this is football, not basketball. You're going to do it by getting high school players at a high level, coming in, develop them to be even better. That's the blueprint. That's the model. I'm not saying Auburn's incapable of doing that. And, I, and I'm also saying, like, this 2022 class is not going to be what they're going to ultimately be judged on in recruiting. But, like, that shows that there's got they've got to get more coming in. They gotta bring, they, they've got to bring they got to step up in that. Or I should say, saying they have to step up is tough because, like, they, have, they haven't even gone through a whole site. We don't even know what 2022 is going to look like yet, you know, finish, finish up for them. But, like, it just shows, like, they, the, the challenge is only getting harder. Like I said, A&M, <laughs> A&M's pulling really good dudes now. Like, really, really good dudes on a more regular basis. Gene Chizik in his first cycle and Gus Malzahn in his first cycle both had very strong classes. If you Mm -hmm. want to split hairs about the coaching and the adjustments and doing more with less, you might be able to make a good case to this early point in Brian Harson's tenure that he's doing more with less. But as we approach pretty quickly signing day... They're going to have to figure something out in terms of competing with their biggest rivals and, and talent. Development, execution, play calling, all that matters. And, like, I still say Auburn's going to be a team that on the whole is never going to consistently be at the level of Alabama and Georgia in recruiting. Maybe not even A&M or LSU more often than not. But, like, you can beat them if you get close to them and then you do the things well to get over the hump. But and, it's and a twofold not, issue. It's not, a twofold issue. Not something this staff has any control over at the moment, but like missing so badly at a whole position group. Oh yeah, for so many years. And is... again, like again, I don't want to sit there and just say just rag on all the guys, but as a collective unit, you can tell the star power is not there uh, where it needs to be. Like some of these offensive linemen are capable of playing really good football games, but like together as a collective unit, because you play as a collective unit the star power really starts to show. And again, like I said, A&M is starting two true freshmen up front and look more consistent. Auburn's in game nine with a bunch of seniors and is not consistently getting it done. And in this game, it was one of those things where it was like, 
well, if they don't run block, well, they can throw it or vice versa. Like they've been able to kind of go back. But when neither is going well and the quarterback's not playing well and the wide receivers aren't playing well and the backs are not making, you know, not making the big plays that the, the other teams are the other teams making, buddy, it just starts to really, really pile on you. And it wastes a really good defensive effort. It's not perfect. That defense is going to go into the to the to the film room and watch, and they're going to find a bunch of things they want to tighten up on because that's the standard. But in this game, it is very clear you did not lose it because of your your defense, and you really and you didn't lose it because of your special teams either. I mean, Anders Carlson missed a field goal, uh, a chip shot field goal that could have given Auburn the lead. Maybe that changes some of the tenor of the game, but whew, you know, it, it's the offense. It's down to the offense, and they know that. The defense is always going to say, "Hey, we're going to be here for you guys. We're going to pick pick them up, and we've got things we got to work on. We were we were flawed on our side of the ball as well." They're going to say that, but they know the offensive players know. They watch that they watch that team stop A and M over and over and over and over again. We One need, we need a that, touchdown in, in the year of our Lord twenty twenty one. We need a <laughs> touchdown. You know, look, I understand. Gotta get it. Get it. Gotta a get it back. Touchdown still means you lose by ten points in this game, but let's get. One of them. Yeah. Don't get shut down like that. I thought Brian Matthews, uh, the GOAT over, <laughs> over at Rivals, made it, had a good question to Harson and something I wanted to point out before we, sw- before we switch gears. He's talking about, like, you know, Auburn had a f- short field goal that was missed. The fumble, obviously, was the only touchdown in the game. Uh, 49-yard pass from Calzada set up a field goal. Another field goal came off a turnover on downs because you were marked just short and you weren't executing it. A- you can take four or five plays and this is a completely different game. And it's like, we've said that a bunch of times the last couple of years for Auburn and it kind of gets old. And I know Auburn fans don't want to hear it a ton, but like, it doesn't make it not true. And as Harson said after the game, it's like, yeah, that's, that's kind of football, man. Like you play well enough on every play. Cause you never know which play is going to be the one that it, that, that, you know, changes the game, you know, unless you're just blowing somebody out or you're getting your eyes beat in like, a lot of times it's going to be a handful of plays that, that change the game, and it's like that shows the margins here, you know? This couldn't have been it's, more true in Auburn's previous two wins in which it won by double digits. Right. They had the good plays go their way. Uh, Old Miss, too many of those fourth down mistakes and those errors, the interception, didn't go their way. Completely different game if it changes around, right? Arkansas can whine about officiating. And things kind of get things kind of change if one or two plays go differently. Or like the, you look like at a, strip sack. a yeah, you look at a seven point flip, in which instead of it being Auburn in this game, it's you know Arkansas coughing the ball up. Right, and so the margins like it's again like like I wrote on on Saturday night, they lost by three possessions, but they didn't get blasted off the field. Your defense played too well for that. It's the margins. And if you're Auburn and you can't just say, well, we'll out-talent the A&Ms and the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world and the, even the LSUs, you got to be the team that executes better. you got to be the team that does that better. And Auburn's very familiar with that, with that concept, especially with the offense falling short. So, like I said earlier, Auburn's got to pick themselves up, dust themselves off. State's coming off of a close loss to Arkansas. They're not going to be a breeze, but you're at home. It's very much like the like the Ole Miss game. You play a clean game, you can win that one. South Carolina just beat Florida. Dan, uh, Dan Mullen, you should probably not have a job anymore, but we'll see. At least um, you're a likable, cool guy. 
And here's the other thing. When we talk about this South, this South Carolina team and how Texas A&M is strong up front, that, that South Carolina defense has got some dudes. They've recruited well up front. They've got a couple five-stars up there, or at least one I know. Like, they've got some guys. Like, they're not going to be complete pushovers. You know, they've... They are simultaneously they took, a bad team and just reminded us that but they they're really still bad because beat of their offense. Right. Like they also today, today just showed that they can beat a team that's better than them. Talented. That's the thing. Is like they've they've got talent. Think anybody's going to sit here and, and argue with me that Florida doesn't have talent? So yeah, South I'd Carolina like, fifty fourth. Like that we're going to South cruise. Carolina fifty fourth in the country in uh, in total defense heading into this game. Yeah, I'd like to think we're going to cruise over yeah. South Carolina, but given the offensive performance, what happened over, last year? Yeah, over the last six quarters, what you just said about last season, and you know what they did just show a little life against Florida. That I don't think there's a a game on the schedule that Auburn can feel yeah. too confident about at the moment. It could win two out of three pretty easily, and it could even do. You know, it could Alabama. It could even sweep. Alabama didn't look very good against an LSU team that I'm not sure what to think about right now. Yeah, they could sweep. They could also go 0 three. Well, maybe not 0 three. One and two probably looks a little bit more likely than 0 and three. But I mean, I, I, I three and 0, two and one, one and two, 0 and three. I mean, all those are on they the are table. All, all of those are on the table. On the table in the same way that three and 0. If you play, if you table. play like you did, if you play like you did today against uh, on the offense, you're gonna have a hard time beating anybody. You know, go back to the Georgia State game as well. Like, ugh. bad. But that's the thing is that you've shown that you're capable of playing better, right? And A and M is good. They are physical and they've got really good, especially on defense. I think they've got really good coaching. You've shown that it can be different. You just got to get it done. Jimbo so, Fisher almost, week almost came across to me as a human being in the pregame. They asked him three things he'd like to be better at. The first one was he'd like to be taller, which I can relate to. I thought it was yes. a very fair and honest thing to say. He also said he wished that he had a little more patience. And then I don't even remember what the third one says, what he said, but it was so corny that he lost me on it. But congrats to him for acknowledging that he could be taller and more patient, two things that I aspire toward. Well, we'll help you work on your patience here. We got we to do some podcast business here. You ready? So if you're listening to this, a lot of you, our subscribers to AuburnObserver.com. $6 a month or $60 a year. Thank you guys for continuing to support us, those of you who are in the inner circle. Not only do you get all of the stories that I write, including the observations, the film room, basketball season around the corner, but we're about to talk hoops. It's going to be a big basketball season. I'm going to be all over it. Don't for, worry. What would happen if someone had live streamed the game for me? They probably would have gotten in trouble. Hmm. Uh, I don't know by who, but they would have gotten in trouble for sure. Yeah. You also get a bonus podcast once a week. And with basketball season coming up, you're going to get a mix of preview, review for both football and basketball. So, I mean, if you want another one of these, the way to do it, $6 a month, $60 a year, AuburnObserver.com, sign up. A lot of you have, and you guys are the reason this all even happens. So we cannot thank you enough. But some of you are just listening to this podcast for free, and I get it. We still love you guys the same. Well, maybe not the same. Um, <laughs> well, be a, be a little honest. We still love you guys. Um, Reminder: There's two basketball games a week on average, which means it's gonna be a lot of opportunities. Lots of things being churned out. A lot of things being said and written. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you want to help us out, Painter, how, how how can they do it? 
rate, review, subscribe. It's easy, folks. You're rating us with five stars. You're reviewing us. You're saying the kindest of things, all of the good words. And you're simply pressing a button. You press the home button or you swipe up or you do whatever it is you do on your apps. All you have to do is hit subscribe, follow, make it happen, folks. It doesn't cost you anything. We're rating, reviewing, and subscribing the Auburn Observer. We, we talk about this. And some of you don't know all of the steps. And some of you are like, hey, I don't use Apple Podcasts. How can I review? I don't know. So, you know, if you want to make the effort and you aren't on Apple Podcasts, we feel it and we understand. But some of you have Apple devices or have a way to get an Apple device or you know, steal somebody's iPhone and do this. Um, there's plenty of them. They're all over the place. Uh, go to the podcast app. Scroll down. Or, I'm sorry. Go to the podcast app. Bottom right corner. Click the little search magnifying glass. Type in the Auburn Observer. Click on the Auburn Observer. Scroll down to ratings and reviews. Tap that little button that says write a review. Five stars. Say something nice about Painter in there. It really does help us a lot. Uh, it lets more and more people find the show. Let's more and more people find the newsletter, uh, which means we get to do this more often. So that's all y'all. Thank you. Uh, we've got two reviews to read, Painter. Are you ready? Yes. We are so vain that we will read these on the air. This is from, uh, looks like Morrow MT. Mm-hmm. Um, says, amazing Auburn podcast. Pay for the full thing. Yeah. Jay Ferguson Painter put some of the highest quality Auburn content out there. Painter also is the physique of a Greek statue. He pulled my family from a burning car, saving all of us. Do not anger him or he will come for you. Sweet. Love that. Definitely happened. Good work. Thank you very much. All of those things are true. Every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the highest quality Auburn content because, you know, I don't like to brag about myself, but definitely everything. The heroism. Nice yeah. Yeah. Me uh, looking and then good. This, mm-hmm. this is from a user named Booby Whitlow. Oh, wow. Okay. So thanks. Thanks, Jartavius. Uh, must listen for any Auburn fan. Keep it up, guys. See, it's just as easy as that. You know, you can make up a name of an Auburn football player, and or you could be the actual Auburn, former Auburn football player and say something nice about our podcast. That's all it takes. Just a few seconds if you're on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not, steal your, you know, your partner or your, you know, sibling or your parents or your kid's iPhone and get it done. You're at work. You're in the cubicle. You steal your neighbor's phone. You rate, review, and subscribe. We all do it. You're at home. I don't. Your grandmother's talking about her ficus. You take your phone. You rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. Your significant other is talking about something that's enthralling. You take their phone. You rate, review, and subscribe. Painter... You like to say that Christmas is just around the corner. It's coming, baby. It is. It is. And it's true. Here. Not even that big of a Christmas guy. I just want to point out in this country, it's always right around the corner. I love Christmas. It is big fun. Thanksgiving. People... Big Thanksgiving guy too. Oh, you're you're barking up the right tree here. Pecan pie, Sonia. I think I think for I think for like personal like spiritual reasons, um, Christmas and Easter are like my favorite holidays. But like I love Thanksgiving of of the non-religious holidays like. Thanksgiving rules, man. Like, it's one of my favorite days of the year. Not sure what it anyway. says of me, but I don't usually have awkward interactions at my family Thanksgivings. They nope, usually rock. Me neither. So yeah. I don't have problems going, with it. Like, by the way, by the way, update on this. A while back, I had talked about going to um, cover Auburn when they go to the battle for Atlantis. Uh, that changed. I even got my passport and everything. That changed uh, because uh, my family uh, and I are going to Gatlinburg. Uh, for uh, Thanksgiving, My, the whole crew is going to be here, including uh, some siblings who do not live around here anymore. Um, so I will be covering Auburn basketball remotely from there. But 
big, 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 big Thanksgiving guy. That's 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 my jam. Anyway, I say all of that to say this: Christmas is right around the corner. Not only can you give people the gift of the Arvin Observer gift subscriptions, that would be clutch. However, there's another thing we have to, to mention here, and we're contractually obligated to do so. Homefieldapparel.com, ladies and gentlemen. Look, the supply chain is bad? Question mark. Uh, tough. Question mark. I don't understand all that. I tried to buy some World Series gear this week for the Braves. I bought way too much of it. I even bought a hoodie in the airport and landed in Houston with it uh, because I do not fear death. Um, and it's taken a while. So, look, if you want to give the gift of home field apparel, you better get those orders in, folks, because you don't want to be going last minute and having to rely on FedEx or how embarrassing UPS. would it be for you to go to your New Year's Postal Eve service? party? You go to your New Year's Eve party right after Christmas. Everyone has their home field gear on, and you don't. And you show up like a casual, a normie. What are you? you what are you doing? Come on, get your home field gear in time. Don't show. No one's going to kiss you on the mouth when the clock Mm-mm. strikes. What midnight? I think is the time. Yes. Yes. Don't be a normie. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Um, a lot of good Auburn gear. The national champion 1957 shirts, one of the best. Auburn basketball. I mean, you want Sailor Albee doing the Vince Carter honey dip dunk? Yes, you do. You want that. You want side-eye Albee like Painter's Twitter profile? Yes, you do. You want that on a sweatshirt? Yes, you can get both of those on a sweatshirt. It is sweatshirt season, baby. It is sweatshirt it is season. Calm. There is an Auburn basketball hoodie, or I'm sorry, an Auburn basketball t-shirt. Beautiful white. I mean, one of the softest t-shirts money can buy, period. All of their gear is. But, I mean, that white t-shirt just goes to the next level. Uh, 1965, Aubie clad in a white uniform. He's got he's got his hands up. He's holding an Auburn basketball. Looks like he's about to throw it down. You won all that. Homefieldapparel.com. The most comfortable vintage collegiate apparel money can buy. Free shipping on orders of over $100. And if you've never ordered from Homefield Apparel before, we can give you 15% off if you use the promo code OBSERVER at checkout. They've also got stickers. They've got a ton of teams. They're adding more teams every single week, it feels like. The Troy State Trojans are on the board. And I, and I just want to say, moving forward, I'm telling you guys, the way home field's going, if you have any sort of connection to any college team that plays sports, it's a good chance they're going to be on home field sometime soon. So keep the faith. But there's already plenty of good gear that you can get at homefieldapparel.com. Shout out to Homefield. Shout out to Connor. Sorry the Hoosiers aren't doing so well this year, but we still love you anyway. How about Purdue, by the way? I know we need to move on from football, but... Uh, the most terrifying thing to a top five team is an unranked Purdue. My God. Just devastating to watch. Um, let's move on to basketball, shall we? Auburn hoops. By the time you're listening to this, we'll be a couple days away. Some of you are... Make make me sick. Nobody live streamed it. Nobody took matters into their own hands. Auburn basketball playing Southern Indiana on Friday night. I didn't get to watch it because I was over here in Texas. Did keep an eye on it through the stat broadcast. Auburn in their exhibition at Southern Indiana, finishing the game on a 22-0 run. Oh. Southern Indiana did not score in the final nine minutes and two seconds of action. Okay, pretty good. So... Early on, it was a team. It was an offense that looked like who had not played a ton in, of competitive basketball with each other. A lot of turnovers, a lot of forcing things. Guys kind of getting out of whack a little bit. Auburn didn't shoot well from the free throw line pretty much at all in this game. Rebounding was kind of an issue at times. 
And then the second half, really the fourth quarter of the game, they locked it down and took it to uh, Southern Indiana. Started shooting some more threes after halftime. I think they got a little bit more comfortable with the way their offense was playing. 22-0 yeah, I mean, not giving up a point for essentially an entire quarter of the game. I will take it even if there's probably a lot that Bruce Pearl looked at that game and went, ah, we have some work to do. They turned it on late and pulled away. That's a good D2 team. Um, that's a team that is very familiar with what Bruce Pearl wants to do on offense and defense because he was formerly their head coach. Jabari Smith scores 11. and 11. Jabari Smith, tough game for him offensively in terms of shooting. 3 of 11 from the field, 1 of 4 from deep, 4 of 7 from the line. Still goes 11 and 11. You know, you'll take that. Just casual. Walker Kessler <laughs> Walker Kessler has four points, five rebounds, and six blocks. Yeah, the thing that stood out in the first 10, 15 minutes on Auburn Twitter was that every time I was scrolling the timeline, there was an additional block. Auburn did not really make their height advantage count in terms of the rebounding category as much. Which um, does feel at least, you know, we're at one whole exhibition game in, but Auburn was pretty good at blocking shots last season, yes. not so good at getting the rebounds last season. They definitely, definitely uh, got the blocks in this one. Southern Indiana, 19 points off of turnovers, where Auburn only had seven. I mean, that's that's a good chunk if you're giving them if you're giving them those possessions. They had 10 fast break points. Auburn got out and ran a little bit more in the second half. Shot six of 12 from deep in the second half. Yeah, I'm just reading stats at this point, but um, did seem though like you know. Jalen Williams comes off the bench and plays well. Katie Johnson, um, from from those in attendance, showed some really good creativity on offense to get his own shot. You saw Wendell Green hit a, hit a couple threes. Devin Cambridge three of four from deep uh, in this game. He, I mean, again, that starting lineup. By the way, they kept the Green, Jasper, Cambridge, Smith, Kessler lineup from the scrimmage. I wonder if they'll keep doing that against Moorhead. I like that lineup. Uh, I think Green and uh, Jasper. Uh, Jasper is playing pretty good two-way ball right now and is kind of a guy that I think can kind of set the tone. Katie Johnson off the bench is a shot in the arm for your offense because of how creative he is. I think Cambridge has a potential to carve out a really good role for himself as as um, Alan Flanagan works his way back from back to health. But, yeah, I mean, I think this is one of those things where Bruce Pearl has said, hey, this team's going to take time. And, yeah, that's a D2 school, and you should have probably played better. But they found the answer. And in the fourth quarter, played about as well of basketball. Fourth quarter, quote unquote, played as well of basketball as you can probably expect a team this early with all these new faces. Um, so, yeah, tighten up the free throws. Don't have as many turnovers. The first. The other thing there, the turnovers in the first half, everybody got involved. Like it wasn't just like one dude turning. Like everybody. Like I think they had eight different dudes turn the ball over in the first half. It's just like it was kind of a widespread thing. And you're playing loose and you're playing fast. You're playing against an overmatched opponent and you want to show out in front of the crowd for the first time. Like, I get all that. I, I, I get all that. But, like, it's going to take them a little little while to kind of get going. But you could see, I think, that fourth quarter, quote-unquote again, shows what this – click. I mean, guys are throwing alley-oops. They're running out in space. They're doing kickouts. They're hitting threes. I mean, they're they're getting everything kind of kind of going. And so tighten up with the ball security, tighten up on the defense early, and you shall be uh, in a good spot moving forward. They play Moorhead State on Tuesday night. Then they play Louisiana Monroe on Friday. little thing about Moorhead State. The Eagles of Moorhead State went to the NCAA tournament last year, lost by 17 to West Virginia after winning the Ohio Valley Conference. 
they were pretty dadgum good during conference play last season, going 17-3 and three and, then ra- and then racing away with the tournament. To even beat Wendell Green's own Eastern Kentucky uh, in the semifinals of that of that uh, conference. But they played tough last season, played Kentucky, played Richmond, played Ohio State, played Clemson. They're not going to be afraid. Like I said, played West Virginia. Last season also, though, for Moorhead State, one of the worst teams in America at turning the ball over. But... Got a lot of blocks. Um, seemed to be a team that had a decent size for a mid-major. Uh, played really good defense. Slow. One of the slower teams in college basketball in terms of uh, possession. And when they held on to the ball, they shot it pretty well and rebounded pretty well. So it's going to be a team that knows what they're doing on offense. They're going to run. They're going to play a methodical pace. Uh, that has kind of been their uh, MO under, uh, under Preston Spradlin, their head coach. You know, Bruce will talk more about him on Sunday. Yeah, this was a team that wasn't necessarily overly experienced last season and yet played really well in their conference. When you look at the way they want to play, if you turn them over, you can be in a lot of a lot of success, but they're going to play a decent amount of defense and they're going to try to limit possessions and they know what they want to run. Interested to see how some of these uh, – again, I think it's going to be one of those games where like in the past for Auburn, it's like it could be anybody in this game, in this exhibition – 13 from Cambridge, 12 from Johnson, 11 from Smith, 11 from Jasper, 7 from Green, 6 from Williams, and then 4 each from uh, Kessler and Moore. Uh, Dylan Carwell did not score but had 5 boards, and then Leor Borman got in the rotation as well, which might be happening a little bit more until Alan Flanagan gets back. But balanced. It's going to be a balanced team, and I think in the second half they got a little bit more free. They took more three-pointers in the second half, hit more three-pointers in the second half. You're going to watch this team kind of learn how to play with one another. These early season games, like they play, and like they're, I mean, I think, you know, they were trailing a decent amount in this game, a decent amount of time in this game against Southern Indiana. They could, Ole Miss almost lost their exhibition game. But these first three games they have, Moorhead, Louisiana, Monroe, South Florida. Like if you don't play well, these teams can beat you. The main thing before you head down to the battle for Atlantis is like, hey, let's learn how to play with one another and let's start to build this thing up. And like watching it come together, I think is going to be fun because. I think if you're a fan, it's going to be unexpected. Like things are going to pop unexpected. Like you're gonna you're gonna learn some things about the team. They're gonna learn some things about each other. And uh, yeah, I mean it's it's just potential. You know the you know people ask in the mailbag, why am I so excited about this team? It's like because this team has got so much potential, and it is it is such a uh, it is such a uh, a word that like just it's very very appealing. It would be different if it was like, well, we know what this Auburn team is, and could, you know, Jabari Smith look like a, a top five pick all year long? Probably, potentially. Could Walker Kessler be the best big man Auburn's had in a very long time? Potentially. Could all could could Auburn be kind of a buzzsaw at defense when they want to on uh, in the backcourt, which was their problem last season? Yeah, you know. And so once you put that all together, yeah, SEC is going to be hard, but. It's that potential. And so, savor these early games, I think, if you're an Auburn fan, because you're going to learn a lot about this team. And they're going to be fun to, wa- to watch them grow together, I think. It's, that's just going to be a thing. And also, the games are going to be on TV, or at least streaming, starting on Tuesday. You know, so, you, so, you like that. Best team in the world. Yeah, see, you're not slowing that down. Football, football may have got you down, but like I said, basketball, we're going to go full steam ahead. You're going to get basketball and football coverage at The Observer if you sign up. $6 a month or $60 a year. We're talking observations from the basketball games 
football games. We're doing film rooms, analysis pieces, breakdowns, mailbags, all that stuff. And like we said earlier, podcasts with basketball season and football season, this little window where they're going on at the same time, double up on your reviews and previews. Appreciate all of you guys who have. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up right here because uh, I got to get to Houston uh, in the morning because I got to go get on a flight. Shout out to shout out to Jordan Hill, by the way. He has been a big help for me on this trip, supporting independent journalism. <laughs> but you know, really check out check out the OA News. They are some of the hardest working dudes in in, in the business. Jordan and Justin Lee, especially. Uh, check them out. Like I said, go to Homefield Apparel. Don't be a normie. Go to Homefield Apparel, and uh, subscribe to the Auburn Observer. AuburnObserver.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. No, it wasn't fun at the beginning and it's kind of odd at the end because neither of us got to watch the exhibition game for basketball, but we will have more throughout the week. Uh, thank you guys so, so much. Painter, final thoughts. Go Braves.